The good news for Starfield is landing back-to-back on the heels of good information coming out about review code distribution and a potential embargo date. We now have multiple things to discuss. First, and most importantly, the game has gone gold. I previously said I didn't think it was that big of a deal that we hadn't heard about it going gold. I didn't actually anticipate a going gold announcement given the numerous delays, but they officially announced that the game has gone gold and this was coupled with preload dates as well as well as we now know the file size that you will need to set aside on your Xbox as well as your PC and one of the preload dates actually lines up with the review embargo that I've been told about privately and the devs with a Q&A session in their discord let out some pretty good info that we will also be looking at so I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video so you don't have to go looking for it it is a live stream discussion that I do after the opening monologue if you like this style of content hit subscribe hit the bell button so that way you don't miss my live shows Well, the good news about Starfield continues to heat up along with the marketing. We now have preload dates. The game's gone gold. The devs did a Q&A. And a little birdie told me when the embargo lifts. It's all good news from where I sit. So first, we're going to be looking at the news about it going gold. We'll be looking at the alleged embargo as well as when you can preload. We just covered the dust up on Twitter about when review codes go out and many were debating whether or not Bethesda games ever really announce going gold. Well, historically they do, and this one arrives slightly differently, so obviously it's being discussed. Now, second, I want to look at the Q&A that happened in their Discord. One thing particularly stood out to me when I heard it, so I threw out the question on Twitter, and I got a variety of responses. Lastly, I want to ask about Gamescom. Earlier this month, I said I wasn't worried about the slowdown in the marketing, and said that it would likely heat up about halfway through the month. Well, going gold, announcing preload dates and doing a Q&A on the 16th of the month, well, that lines up pretty well. I would consider that to be a great start. But what about Starfield's presence at Gamescom? I'll discuss that near the end of the monologue. Now, I have some thoughts and questions about that. I'd be interested to know what you guys think. But first, let's just do a quick recap of some of the good news just from yesterday. We already kind of talked about how we were excited to see, you know, review codes are going out. The press is going to have their hands on the game. But there was a variety of viewpoints on this, okay? First, let's discuss the game going gold because... We had people saying that Bethesda doesn't really announce going gold, which really isn't true, okay? Here's just a very, very quick handful of screenshots of Fallout 3 going gold, Skyrim going gold, we have Elder Scrolls Oblivion going gold, and then Fallout 4, okay? Obviously, people that were stating... You know, Bethesda doesn't announce when their games go gold. Okay, that just simply isn't true. That's very easy to disprove. And when the discussion turned away from that, it turned to, well, games don't really go gold anymore. Or, oh, going gold is outdated. Well, I I don't think that that's true either. Going gold is still a pretty common announcement practice that we see in the gaming world. My position on going gold was that it doesn't really matter for games that have had multiple delays. It doesn't really hit in quite the same way we never got a gone gold for redfall and 
Forza Motorsport may not have a going gold announcement either, especially considering it's launching missing features. Most of these announcements typically land in the one to two month window before launch, which obviously brought scrutiny about the Starfield going gold timing. It was like, oh, well, we've seen other games do it, you know, four weeks out, six weeks out. This is happening three weeks before launch. Well, given that God of War Ragnarok went gold four weeks before launch, I don't see a cause for concern here about when they announced going gold, okay? Each one of the examples from Bethesda was actually a very short window. Fallout 4 went gold on October 23rd, and it launched two weeks later on November the 10th. Fallout 3 went gold on October the 10th, and it launched three weeks later on October the 28th. So I don't see any any smoke or fire around the timing of going gold in relation to the release date. It's in line with industry standards, right? It's only a week later than God of War Ragnarok did it. And it's in line with Bethesda's own practices, okay? Now, second, we do have preload dates, right? Did I put an image? I did. We have preload dates. You get August 17th for Xbox, which is today. It's the the day I'm doing this monologue. If you're seeing this later, you probably already preloaded it on your Xbox. Now, it's August 30th for Steam users. It's usually the other way around due to certification with Xbox, but they are going earlier with preload on Xbox. Now, this has given us a glimpse at the file size. So on Xbox... According to GameSpot, on Xbox, the game clocks in at about 126 gig, and on PC, Starfield's taking up around 140 gig of space. So, that's pretty big. Make some space, you're talking about 126 gig on your Xbox, and then 140 on your PC. So, this could be, you know, something to point to the fact that it's a pretty big game, as well as these dates could line up with some other things so the fact that today is when you can preload on xbox a little birdie told me that today is the day that the review codes go out along with they told me the embargo date i'll get to the embargo date in a second so first they told me hey codes are going out today uh, you know august 17th that lines up with the xbox preload timing which again that could mean nothing or it could mean that Maybe there are Xbox codes going out. There was concern expressed yesterday in my live stream about whether or not the codes going out were Xbox codes or PC codes, right? We haven't seen any Xbox footage up to now. We've only seen PC footage. Even that has some issues with frame rates in some of the areas. And so that, I think, is a little concerning and worrying. So... Listen, if they're sending out codes to both Xbox and PC, I think that's great. And the fact that Bethesda considered, hey, this is our best foot forward, this PC footage, this footage right here in particular is one of the spots where the frames drop significantly. It's a tad worrying that even their best quote unquote best footage has some performance and frame issues in it. So I think it's totally fair to be worried about performance and FPS stability and consistency on the Series X and especially on the Series S. So hopefully... We get reviews for PC, the Series X, and the S. I'm not saying that this is anything. The fact that the preload date and the code distribution date are the same because you can preload on Xbox like right now, that could be pure coincidence, okay? That could just be them pulling the trigger on, hey, let's get everything going, let's get people playing the game, let's get people preloading, all right? Given this is a flagship Xbox title, 
not having any reviews for the actual Xbox consoles would be worrying, right? The most encouraging thing about the review window, though, is the alleged embargo date that I have been told. I was privately told by someone who does seem to be in the know that the embargo date drops on August 31st. Now, I was I was totally fine yesterday. I was on record saying... If the embargo drops on September the 1st, that's the day of early access, I said, I'm totally fine with that. Nobody is forcing you to pre-order for early access. You could read and watch reviews and then decide to pay for the premium edition or the premium upgrade and get in early access. Nobody's forcing you to pre-order, okay? So I was fine with September the 1st, but it dropping on August 31st, really removes any blame if this is a true date if i've been given good information and that's when the embargo drops i think that shows even more confidence in the game a day before early access to me they're not trying to to trick anybody or to wait until the last second right they're allowing you to see reviews ahead of time if this is in fact true so if we get a wide array of outlets getting codes and we get xbox reviews and if they land in a good threshold i think that will look very strong going into the early access weekend i could really see this helping starfield premium edition sales as well because that is how you get in early so that's all good news right the game goes gold we've got preload dates install size a potential embargo date that sounds really good to me now let's turn our attention to the q a session that they did with the devs in the official starfield discord there were 16 questions that the devs took the time to answer and xbox era put it all into like a quick article so i'm pulling from that article if any of my quotations are inaccurate i copied and pasted this right from xbox era i figured if anybody's not going to mess up these quotations it's going to be you know an xbox centric site so I was pulling from that, and I thought as I was writing this monologue, reading through every single answer was going to be ridiculous because it was 16 questions. Some of the questions were not as interesting in my opinion, so I pulled out the high points. Some of the times I'm just going to summarize what the dev said because I just don't think it's necessary. There were like paragraph long things that they typed for some of the questions so there were two people answering these questions one was named will and the other uh, person's name was amel i believe i'm pronouncing that correctly i had a friend's name amel and that's how it was spelled e-m-i-l so will and amel and they had some questions that they answered and some of these i'm just going to give you the short answer right so the very first question was can you buy housing And the shorter answer than what they typed is, yes, you can actually buy housing in multiple cities. Now, they didn't go into detail as to whether or not you can, like, customize the housing or decorate the housing. I would assume some of the sort of garden variety housing elements from other RPGs and games will be present. So you can buy housing. Um, And then the next question, I actually, I thought this when I saw the Direct. I thought, oh, I wonder if they're going to do this because you can pick something that gives you parents in the game it's called the kids stuff trait and somebody asked the following question if we get the kids stuff trait will our parents be generated based on our characters look or are there standard parents in place and will said our programmers on our new face tech were excited to make a function that could try to match your custom face and then create the two parents so they are based on what your character looks like although the specific math involved is a bit beyond me we had similar tech in our previous games 
Now, Emil said, yes, totally. Just as we did in Fallout 3 with your dad and in Fallout 4 with your son in Starfield, if you take the kid stuff trait, your parents are based off of you. No spoilers, but I think fans will really appreciate the actors we got to play those roles, and they just got so into it. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, and you can get stuff, so they don't want to give anything away here. So, if you really try to make your character look like you like this is going to make me spend a lot of time on my character i want to make my character look as much as like myself as a possible it'd be really weird and maybe a little uncanny valley to see what a video game thinks my parents should look like this might be triggering to some people you know maybe if you don't have a great relationship with your parents or maybe your parents have passed away maybe don't do this this might be a little awkward for you i don't know i'm definitely gonna do it you know i love my parents and they're still around so it'll be interesting to see if it's even close uh to what either of my parents look like so that i think will be a fun feature the next question i thought was good given how many people may be jumping into this as their very first bethesda game the question was for those of us who have never played a bgs game and will be starting with starfield what information should we know that will make the experience more impactful right from the start how deep should we go into creating our character's backstory before we start the game so this is a lengthy answer but i think this is important because i think a lot of you may be jumping in for the very first time and Emil said we always make our games for fans both old and new so you can jump in without ever playing a Bethesda title before but we like to look at it less as playing a game and more about living in the universe we created so settle in go at your own pace and pretty soon you'll learn all the systems and be adventuring through the settled systems the way you choose as for going into a character's backstory that's entirely up to you I'm all for the headcanon for example my latest character is a working schlub named Mitch Dombrowski. He's a husky, good-natured space trucker, and while he'll do whatever he needs to defend himself, he'll never shoot first. He's like Han Solo's sweeter older brother, and yes, there are traits and backgrounds that support this kind of thing. So they give you, I think, a pretty good example of the level of time that you can put into a character that is got a backstory that you think is interesting or is of a certain character type or has a certain moral compass. I think this all sounds really great for the people that like to do that. I actually would be very interested in playing this game sort of alongside of my wife and just seeing if she does anything different. What she make her character look like? What sort of a background does she want? I think that's the kind of thing that makes a game like this interesting is sharing those stories and experiences with your friends and saying, what did you pick? How'd the game treat you, right? Just to see how the journeys can differ. Now, the next question was about smuggling. They said, how will smuggling cargo work? Can we hide somewhere on the ship and sell it more for currency later? And Will said, certain items are considered contraband and you'll need to smuggle them past security ships that are in orbit of major settlements. Now, I didn't think this was that interesting. I think this is pretty much normal in games like this. I never like getting attacked in No Man's Sky because of my cargo. So I tend to avoid contraband altogether, which is, I think... I think that's a great way, though, to establish systems with rules in a game, and it does dictate your decisions, because I'm sitting here saying, I'm never going to do that. I I think it's a headache. I can't stand it. But then other people might really want to live the pirate life and say, I'm, I'm, you know, the pirate's life is for me. I'm going to be smuggling and stealing and doing all of these things. Now, the next question was the one I sort of threw out on Twitter, and this was submitted by one of our community members here at Reforge Gaming, 
Victor submitted this question in their Discord. He said, Will time pass when not in the game? For example, will my trade routes, outposts, and mining operations continue to produce, or does that only occur while actively playing? And Amel and Will both said the same thing. The sim only runs when you're actively playing, no sleeping on the job, and only when actively playing. So I put this on Twitter. I was like, what do y'all think about this? I don't think this is a negative. I was just curious, is this something that people were expecting, not expecting? Where is everybody landing on this? The general consensus ranged from, this is no big deal, right? It's a single player game. It's not an MMO. It's not an online game. Other people said, this is pretty concerning. Is it going to be really grindy? Is that really going to slow things down? My opinion is that they will likely have this built with timing and how long trading routes or mining operations take. I'm imagining that will be tuned to the game it's not going to be tuned like a a no man's sky or something where i i leave no man's sky and i come back a couple days later and everything's waiting for me okay it's going to be tuned to work within play sessions so i actually don't have that many concerns about this some have speculated that you'll be able to advance time in the game to help with you know oh i'm gonna skip things ahead And, and people have said that's a feature that's in past bethesda games we don't actually know they didn't speak to this in the interview they didn't say oh but don't worry you can advance time if you want to so that remains to be seen whether or not that is a feature but you will need to be you know handling the timing of mining routes and trading routes and all things like that within a play session somebody i think had really good input about this on twitter they said, look, if I if I take a week-long break from the game, I don't want to come back to, like, absolute disaster in the game. Everything's overrun, everything's bad, everything's spoiled. I actually thought that was really good feedback. So if you can contain it to the play sessions and it feels healthy and organic, I actually think that's probably the right decision for Starfield. Now, there was a question about factions and going double agents, and I actually always find these sorts of questions interesting because how far-reaching are the consequences of my choices? They said, can you be a double agent in the game? For example, if you join the United Colonies, can you also join the Crimson Fleet and give the United Colonies information? What factions have that feature if they do? So, Will says, All the playable factions can be completed independently. The Crimson Fleet storyline does feature you being able to go undercover. And then Amel said, That's exactly what you can do. Infiltrate the Crimson Fleet for the UC Sysdef. It's specific to that questline. In the studio, I've been accused of referencing movies. Apparently, he's old and referenced Donnie Brasco. So, going way back to one of the greats with... Johnny Depp, if you've not seen that one, you got to watch that one. So here's the deal. I think this is kind of a mixture here, right? It does sound like it's that classic choose-your-own-adventure, but it's also kind of buffet-style. You can do every single faction, complete their storylines independently. So one faction line, one faction storyline doesn't close off another. It's not like they're going to say, hey, we know you went with those guys over there. We're not talking to you. And then that part of the game is just totally closed off to you. That's not how it's going to work. You can do all of them independently. Now, somebody might look at that and say, that's not really having consequences for your choices. There's no weight behind what we're choosing. I never really know where I land on this. I never am a huge fan of a game giving me choice paralysis where I don't know if I want to pick these guys. 
I haven't played enough to know yet, and if I pick them, then I can't go talk to those guys over there. So, I understand why they do this. I think they're probably erring on the side of the majority of the players don't want it to be that rigid. I do think it'd be pretty cool, though, if you could check a box at the beginning of the game, kind of like how Diablo players can check the hardcore box, and then if you die, you die. It'd be cool, I think, to have a run where... your your consequences of your choices would be more severe if you choose a certain faction then the other factions are not going to deal with you or talk to you let that be something the player initiates because i do think the majority would say i don't want portions of the game closed off to me but then i think the people that really get into the role playing would say no 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 no. if i pick a certain faction i want everything to change in accordance to that that's probably more dev time i might be asking for something that's absolutely ridiculous but I think they made the right choice here, even if some people think it's not that cool to have, like, oh, you can pick every single faction. Now, somebody did ask, can you play as a pacifist, okay? Because some people love to play through games like this and never fire their gun once. They had very lengthy answers that basically said, no, you can use a lot of the systems and the options to avoid killing, but Amel concluded by saying, I couldn't comfortably say you can complete the entire game without any killing whatsoever. So you can really minimize how much you kill in the game. There are systems, there are options for you to do that, but you're not going to be able to go through this entire game pacifist. It's just not going to work. Now, listen, YouTubers and people out there are nuts. They're gluttons for punishment. I'm sure somebody will try. Um, (laughs) So we'll see if anybody pulls it off, right? Then somebody asked about the number of companions that you can have. They said there's over 20 named characters that could potentially join you, but they really focused on four specific named characters from Constellation, and they have lots of story and interaction for the player. If you're looking to hire crew members for your outposts, you will like this next bit of info. Somebody asked, so there's there's 20 people that you can potentially have like come with you as a companion. Four of them are real real substantive. They have lots of story, they have, you know, lots of things to them. I think they've shown them in this developer direct or not developer direct starfield direct i think they showed them with like their stats that may be the four there's the there's the woman there's the guy in the astronaut suit there's like the cowboy those might be the four characters they're referring to i don't know if that's been confirmed yet or not when it comes to assigning crew members somebody asked the following when we assign crew members to work at outposts do we have to pay them salaries and they said it is just a one-time payment but you can negotiate that price. So that's actually kind of nice. You're not constantly having to pay somebody a salary. Like if you <laughs> if you really want to have a ton of people working for you, um, thank goodness you're not constantly spending your hard-earned money on paying them to work for you. You just pay them that one time. On the subject of companions, it was asked though, will our companions be able to level up their perks? Will their perks stack with ours? And the succinct answer was no, they don't level up. They have different ranks depending on the companion so you may choose somebody they said you might choose somebody to sort of complement your play style they mentioned you might pick somebody who's good with rifles and then they're able to kind of watch your back but they're not going to be leveling up with you it's not like they're you know going to get stronger the more you play that's not going to be an element Uh, of the game now when they were asked about their favorite parts of the game i thought it was interesting that they both had very similar things to say in different ways 
they both sort of touched on how quests have evolved over time in the game. Will said he loves finding content that's new or that he forgot about because the game is just so big. So it does sound to me like they are they're really excited about the game but they're also like forgetting things i think these are the four characters here that probably have the most done with them just because they're 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 well that's not four that's three i i'm just guessing but that might be three of the four that they spent a lot of time with they seem sort of iconic recognizable you know they seem to have their own sort of theme so we'll see if if that ends up turning out to be true now the last question is of some of, of some importance because the animated shorts people were speculating that you would be able to use mechs okay <laughs> so somebody asked about mechs and the answer was lengthy I'm not reading the whole thing because they give like a whole recap of where mechs have come from but Amel concludes that section by saying the following I'm not saying there's an old mech battleground in the game I'm typing it mechs not usable no they're in ruins so in no uncertain terms mechs are not usable okay you can't get at them you can't climb in them you can't have them running around for you now you do have one companion that you know is a mech but you can't have like a mech that you're 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 traversing the world with now we covered these theories they started swirling about playable mechs and i i covered this in my stream about uh, starfield the danger of hype okay so it's good to see that specific thing shot down ahead of time because people were going a little wild. All in all, I thought the Q&A was good. It wasn't mind-blowing. I thought it was very, very fine and acceptable for a dev Q&A. People thirsty for more information. I think they loved it. I think that's great. I think it's cool when devs do stuff about this. Very quickly at the end here, what about Gamescom? It's right around the corner. First, Just to restate it again, I don't think the lack of a playable demo at Gamescom is worrying at all. The time it would take to polish and bug check a vertical slice of Starfield would not be worth it. I want the devs working on the game, not something that a bunch of people could stand in line for and play for 15 minutes. Anybody still pushing with this idea that no demo is worrying? I just think that you need to look at the bigger picture. I don't think there's any merit to that concern or worry. Now, the second thing I want to say in regards to new gameplay... Taking Starfield and doing a theater presentation does not mean we're getting anything new. Last year, Gamescom 2022, they just brought the footage from June. They did that nice debut in line with the Xbox Bethesda showcase in June, and they brought the same footage to Gamescom. They may do the same thing now, but this is a little bit different. You've gone gold, preloads available, you're doing dev Q&As, you got videos, articles, I'm talking about it, everybody's talking about Starfield, so... New gameplay, I think, would be a nice capstone to send folks sort of rushing to pre-order or at the very least anticipate the impending reviews. The second thought here is attached to new gameplay is, will we get any new info? I think that's the least likely outcome, honestly. The Starfield Direct is a very substantive look at the game, its its systems, uh, it's more info, and, and we just got more info and minute details, but that was done in the form of a Q&A. So if they're going to give us more details, they'll probably just keep doing stuff like that. Maybe. I don't see them dropping a bunch of new info at Gamescom. Maybe just reiterating the launch date, maybe some new gameplay, maybe some new B-roll. 
I could see them doing something like, hey, here's a sample of one of the missions that you'll experience in Starfield. So those are my thoughts on Gamescom just here at the end. All in all, Starfield's looking more and more promising the closer that we get to launch. The things that I wanted to see are happening, namely early review code distribution and a good review embargo date. All that remains to be seen is... Who got codes and what do they think? So for now, like everyone who doesn't have a review code, we wait and we hope that Starfield delivers. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusion. Even though I continued to say that like going gold was not that important, I actually do find it encouraging that the game has gone gold. If it never went gold, if that announcement never happened, it wasn't going to sway me in either direction. I wasn't putting a lot of stock into that given the delays I just don't know if we're going to see going gold announcements from games that get delayed all that often I don't think the announcement hits quite the same Starfield's pretty big in the industry pretty popular pretty lightning rod so going gold was probably important to them getting that I think along with preload dates really shows me that at the very least they're ready to go okay and that's I think that's exciting it's like we've been waiting a really long time for this game they've been waiting a long time to deliver the game right the second thing I want to say is when you take the info about review codes going out along with the preload dates and the alleged embargo date of August 31st it really feels like maybe Bethesda pulled another Bethesda they like to wait until the last possible time and window to market and push things I said that at the beginning of August everyone's like why aren't they marketing the game why aren't they talking about the game I don't know how a 45 minute direct isn't marketing the game but the marketing did seem to slow down and I said listen Bethesda likes to do it this way you know funny enough Todd Howard in an interview was joking around and said you know, he, he'd like to do things in a two-week period. Well, in some ways, he kind of got his wish. We're, we've kind of got like a two-week window here where they're, you know, they're going to start ramping things up, it seems. So, you know, that's the way Bethesda operates. So this doesn't seem all that out of step from previous games. So my conclusion is this. Obviously, the final verdict on the game won't be possible until the general public has their hands on it. But now it seems that Bethesda, at the very least, they're confident in their game. We had a great you know, tweet from Pete Hines. He's like, just relax. We've got a great team. We know what we're doing. You know, will we get any more info? Will we get any more gameplay? Uh, will they use Gamescom to really ramp up the excitement? Well, that remains to be seen. And even if it doesn't happen, and they just have the same B-roll and footage, I'm good with that, okay? If that's all they do at Gamescom, that's totally fine. I feel that we've seen enough of the game to be both interested, but also excited to try it. And, you know, on top of the fact, we're going to have reviews very soon, within a window of time for you to make an informed decision. No matter where you land on interest or excitement, there's no denying how big Starfield is. The install size is big. The name and the public interest is big. The game world inside of it is big. The only remaining question is, will the game be as big as the lead-up and the release? And that is the show open. Guys, thank you so much. A 30-minute show open. We're on Starfield again. They they just couldn't hold back. I told people, I said, listen, listen, halfway through August, things are going to heat up. And right on time, halfway through August, the 16th, they're like, we're gold. Here's your preload dates. 
here's a Q&A. Like, I, I, I am really thinking that this is maybe just the beginning. I'm, I don't want to get everybody excited that we're going to get more or a bunch of things are going to happen, but I, I actually really hope I do. I'm not holding them to this, but it'd be really nice to see some new stuff at Gamescom. Really shock the world right before the game comes out. Show something crazy, right? Show a mission or something. So, guys, get the day started strong. We already have two... 100 likes there's over 800 people here smash that like button up to 300 we appreciate you so so much uh thank you guys for doing that that helps more people find the video i want to know what you guys think about this what do you think about you know i got a little i got a little birdie telling me august 31st for the embargo date let's get the member goal going and there's the first gifted member of the day. It's always a race to see who can do the first one. Shiny red flag gifts one. You guys have a stretch goal now. Uh, somebody requested yesterday if we hit 4,500 members, if we hit 4,500 members, I and my wife will have to play Mortal Kombat 1 on a Friday night. It'll be hysterical and it'll probably be a disaster. I do have some people to thank for doing things during the show open. GNS hit 14 months as a member and a $5 super chat from Ah Nobody and Captain Toasty Buns hits 20 months as a VIP. Welcome back, Captain Toasty Buns. Good morning, great monologue. Thank you, Hex. I popped out to go watch live coverage uh, of it yesterday. Uh, Let's see here. I'm buying this game because I'd rather support the company, especially if it's a great game. Yeah, apparently there's some predictions going around about, you know, number of sales, how well it's going to sell on Steam and other places. Joker Quinn gifts a member. Thank you so much, Joker Quinn, for gifting a member. I greatly appreciate that. You got a code for Mortal Kombat? No, I don't have a contact a contact to get a beta code uh, for Mortal Kombat. I would love to get into contact with somebody. I mean, I'm not a fighting guy, but like, it'll be fun to play with Madam. I probably do- shouldn't get a code. I would be the worst person to review that game. I'm not a fighting game guy at all. Got a new pet bird. Every time he says, uh, uh, Lono got a new pet bird. Every time he says he got a little birdie. No, 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 no. I, I had somebody... Somebody who's apparently in the know. Lost Frames comes in with eight months as a member. Somebody who seems to be in the know is like, ah, August 31st. That's when it's going to happen. Um, I was going to say, it's a fan of my kiddos. Uh, uh, okay, I'll have to read that later. I'm going to have to read that later, Hilly. Um, thank you so much, man. It looks, like it's, it looks like you got some good news coming your way, Hilly. DK Baker, ever so faithful, always gifted members. Bumps the line to three. Good to see you in chat. Vengeance with 23 months and a VIP. I need to amend my game of the year prediction. Hogwarts, Final Fantasy, Starfield, Tears of the Kingdom, Spider-Man 2, and Baldur's Gate 3, neck and neck for the big win. I don't think the game of the year contest is neck and neck anymore. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is absolutely running away with it. I don't think anybody's close at this point. Um, they've set they've set too many records. They've done too many things. In the first week, I was like, okay, they're going to give Tears of the Kingdom a run for their money. And then a week later, it was like, oh, no, it's this is over. Highest Metacritic score of the year. They're pulling MMO concurrent numbers, you know, their second weekend out. Just insane. Just absolutely insane. I think Starfield's likely to get a nomination. I think Starfield's likely to get nominations for RPG. Um, there's a handful of categories that Starfield could get nominations for. 
this game is going to flop. I don't see any reason to think this game is going to flop. My primary concern has always been and will always be uh, performance. I've said that so many times. To me, it's not about whether or not this is going to be a fun game with respect to like RPG freedom, you know, using the dialogue systems and customizing your build and your weapons and stuff. I think it's always going to come down to does it run well? Average Arcader, thanks so much for becoming a member. That counts in the member goal for the day. That's not a gifted. That's just somebody signing up on their own. Consider hitting the join button. Consider hitting that dollar sign button. (laughs) Ink Sandy says, notice me, senpai. Guys, make sure you're smashing that like button as well. Man, we should have 300 likes. No sweat with this many people here. Thank you so much. Agree, performance will be its biggest flaw. I don't necessarily want to say it's its biggest flaw. I'm sa- I think that performance is going to be one of its biggest challenges. I just think Remnant 2 should get game of the year. That game is amazing. I don't think Remnant 2 holds a candle to to the to the other leading titles. Remnant 2 is not anywhere close to Tears of the Kingdom or Final Fantasy 16 or Baldur's Gate 3. Not even close. I like Remnant 2 a lot. Was contemplating upgrading to the premium edition, says Dauntless. It's like 31 bucks when you already have Game Pass, but it says the base game is required. Does Game Pass uh, count? Do we know? Yeah, Game Pass counts, but the thing is, Dauntless, the reason it says that is that if you cancel Game Pass or they remove it from Game Pass, which they likely wouldn't remove it from Game, Ca- game Pass, but if you ever don't have Game Pass, you won't have the base game. So the upgrade's not granting you ownership. They're saying, yeah, you need the base game. If you don't have the base game, you're done, right? Yo, another gifted member from Patrick Q. That's a nice layup. If any of the big boys around, sometimes they like to slam home the 20 bombs and jump it, leapfrog it all the way from 5 to 25. Thank you so much for doing that, Patrick Q. Yeah, you can totally... As a Game Pass holder, you can pay the difference on the premium upgrade of like 30-something bucks, but you don't own the game. So if you ever cancel Game Pass, you would no longer have Starfield and your premium edition wouldn't mean anything. Right, so your your upgrade of the premium edition is not you purchasing a, a license for the game. You don't own the game at that point. That's why it says that. On X, just confirm the review will drop uh, on August 31st. Oh, Paris from Kind of Funny just announced that the review will be available on August 31st. So I was given good info then. That is the embargo date. Okay, that is the embargo date. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was, if that, I, I said, I said, the person I was talking to, I felt like they were in the know and they said, they said to me, they said the codes are going out and then they said they, they said they were going out today, yesterday, right? So they said tomorrow. So the codes are going out today, August 17th, and the embargo date is the 31st. That is two entire full weeks. So all of the math that I crunched from yesterday, that adds up. That adds up. Shiny with the six-month membership. Upgraded my membership during the monologue. Thanks for the content. Yo, thank you so much, man. Call me a Bonnie Lad. That's very kind of you, and thanks for upgrading to Member Plus. If you guys upgrade to Member Plus, it kind of takes you out of the gifted member pool, and it also gives you access to one extra stream a month. We let you get a little sneak peek to the Friday VIP unfiltered streams. Um, that I do with my producer Grady with 7 months of membership I'm getting more confident with Starfield I upgraded to the premium edition with the, uh, from the standard Game Pass version Xbox needs a W 
Uh, Zubair says, did you pay for this information with saltiness, or was there a fancy Ritz cracker type of parrot? (laughs) Haven't you guys ever heard that expression, like a little birdie told me, right? Now, on the subject, on the subject of paying extra for early access, Donnie, I was on his podcast okay so check it out it's i always i always mess the name up pure pure dead gaming podcast i think i think i got it right okay this is what donnie says in my in my in our discord our members only discord because if you have there's no character limit in there he says speaking of uh lono i find the 35 dollar upgrade predatory this is half of the rrp purely to get the game early by early, I mean the real release date. Let's be honest. People who don't pay are just waiting five days later. $35 to prey on people's FOMO, for me, is predatory. This is a promised future DLC included, but that could be anything. Still doesn't detract from my point. All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think as gamers, we need to be very careful when using the word predatory. Predatory means you are seeking to exploit or oppress someone. So let's just throw the word oppression out. There's no oppression going on here, okay? So in a purchase environment, predatory practices are seeking to exploit people. I do not think having a release date, an official announced trailers everywhere, billboards everywhere, that's the release date. I don't think telling people, hey, you can play this game early if you buy this bigger edition. I don't think that falls under the definition of predatory. I don't. I don't. I think we need to be very careful. When we use the terms predatory, we need to be looking at games that are actually doing sinister monetization practices. Not somebody who says, hey... We've got this better edition, and if you buy it, we'll let you in early, right? The better edition comes with more than early access. It come, I don't know what it comes with. I don't have it memorized, but it comes with more than just early access. Like It comes with a bunch of stuff, okay? I continue to think that gamers use this word too loosely. Like, everything's predatory. Somebody already said it in chat. Games as service are predatory. I just, I don't think you can substantiate that position. I believe it's just a purely non-backed opinion. It's just, well, I just think it's predatory. Why? Well, they're preying on people's FOMO. Oh, okay. That, that's not predatory. It's not. Like, you, you could argue that selling games at full price then is predatory because you could say well you could wait for a sale but they know that you're going to want to play it day one so that's predatory you could say pre-ordering is predatory right you're you're getting people's money because they don't want to miss out they want to be there first day one i think they actually mean coercive I mean, I could be compelled that it's passively coercive to say, hey, wouldn't you like to play a little bit early? You know, I just, I don't think, I just don't think. Like right here, if you upgrade uh, from the standard edition, you get the following bonus items. Shattered Space Story Expansion. So you're paying for an expansion. The five days of early access. You get a Constellation skin pack, Equinox laser rifle, spacesuit, helmet, and boost pack, and access to Starfield digital art book and original soundtrack. All right. Let's imagine that your local movie theater said, Hey, that new movie's coming out on Friday. 
but if you pay for the premium ticket bundle price, you'll get popcorn, a soda, and your choice of seat, and you can see the, the movie three days early. Like, they're charging a premium, they're giving you all this extra stuff, and then you can watch the movie early. Like, if you looked at that movie theater and said, that's predatory, you're preying on my FOMO, my fear of missing out of seeing the movie day one. I don't, I feel predatory and FOMO, I think sometimes you could put them together, but I think in this case, it feels like a non sequitur. It doesn't logically follow. It's like, okay people feel FOMO they don't want to miss out okay but it's not a multiplayer game it's not an online game there's no race there's no contest so your own self-inflicted FOMO I don't think you can reverse reverse uno card that and say oh yeah that's predatory I have FOMO I have fear of missing out they're preying on it I uh... I just don't think I just don't think so. Yeah, there's advanced screenings of movies all the time, right? I'm saying if you commercialized it. Great debate, love it. Yeah, I listen. I don't I just don't see the logical connection. I don't. I have no problem with this. Handfuls of games have done this. Forza Horizon did it. Uh Redfall did it. Redfall, you know, Redfall had the thing where you could pay uh to get in early. Uh Diablo did it. There's been a number of games that have done this that have said hey you buy the extra you pay the extra boom you're gonna you're gonna get your you're gonna get in early Starfield review embargo date is Thursday August 31st at 12 p.m. Eastern I'm playing right now stay tuned for the Verge review okay Tom Warren's got it Tom Warren's already playing a lot of people have gotten uh, their codes right a lot of people have gotten their codes and uh, we'll see how many outlets got their codes, right? Tom Warren and The Verge have been, you know, I would say very favorable and kind to Microsoft, so I wouldn't necessarily consider him uh, a neutral outlet. He's been very much, um, very, very much in their corner uh, with respect to uh, with respect to the Activision deal. I feel a lot of his coverage was uh, was leaning pretty heavily in Microsoft's favor. So I want to see more neutral outlets get codes. They're preying on my lack of self-control. <laughs> Where's your code? Oh, I'm not big enough to get a code, homie. One day, one day. We're not, we're not quite large enough for that. Playing devil's advocate here, says Dauntless. Day one DLC is always controversial. Honestly, isn't it content that's been removed for, for a premium? Remember Mass Effect 3? They're getting my money either way. Here's my problem with that idea, Dauntless. Everything that we know about development... Okay, let's imagine that in three months, they want to deliver a DLC for Starfield. Okay? I have no idea when the DLC is coming. So I'm just throwing out a random spec, like random hypothetical. Let's just say though, that that's what they want to do. Three months in, they've spent so much time on this game. They're like, listen, we should really do some ongoing support. We should really do some ongoing content. Let's do some DLC. Okay. All right. In that regard. Okay. (laughs) In that regard, if that's what they're going to do, Everything we know about development means Bethesda has to be working on that DLC six months ago. 
if if you want DLC to land three months, you know, four months into the life of the game, then you you want at least I would think like about of a year of development cycle on that. So that's called parallel development. You have a team cooking up that DLC and working on it so that it's ready to go three or four months into the life of the game. Now people put point at that and they say no. That you're ripping content that I should get that con what what who said? Who said that you're entitled to that content? Who? When Spider-Man did it, Spider-Man 1 on PlayStation did it. Why were you entitled to that content? They built an entire game. It was a complete story. It's not like they rip out the last 20 minutes of the story and they're like, Haha, sucker, you want to know what happens? <laughs> we'll buy our DLC. No, it, they were completely separate stories. They were completely separate things. They had nothing to do with the main story. They were additive pieces of content. So you're not entitled to everything that Bethesda is working on right now. Mainly because it's probably not even ready. Whatever their plans DLC is, is probably not even ready. This idea that, like, this is what people expect. Some of this is because they're ignorant, okay? This is what people expect. They expect that the, the company should not be working on anything but the, but the game all the way up until launch. And then launch the game. And now you can start working on DLC, well, congratulations. You, you're not going to get DLC for like 13 months. That's not effective at all. You, you can't sell DLC 13 months later for, an, for a single player game, especially. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. That, that, that expectation is in just entitled. It, it's not logical. It's not sensible. It's not rooted in reality. It's just, no, they shouldn't be working on anything other than the main game. Uh, shut up. <laughs> shut, shut up. Uh, decent rebuttal says Dauntless. We'll come down to how central the DLC is. To me, DLC has pivotal dialogue that, uh, that has, oh, oh, oh. The Mass Effect DLC has pivotal dialogue that was clearly removed. Be interesting to see how this one shakes down. I'll be honest, Dauntless. I think nine times out of ten, you get planned DLC. It's not ripped content. It's not. It's something that they planned to do. They have a timeline. They have a team. They they have they have a deliverable schedule, and it has. It's not them taking something out of the game. I, I think nine times out of ten, we're not dealing with like, yep, yeah, you clearly ripped out content, and you're selling it to us later. Then there's Larian with no DLC and full game focus. I think you're making an unfair comparison. Larian also had their game in early access for three years. And was able to slowly build, crowdfund the game, receive lots of player feedback. I don't I don't think that's a fair comparison at all. You know, it's 100% ripped content. No, it's not. There's no way for you to know that. All logic would dictate that it can't be ripped out content because all logic would dictate that it's parallel development content that's not even ready for delivery yet. What you're saying is nonsensical. What you're saying is nonsensical. You're saying that they're taking ready-to-go built content out of the game at launch and selling it to you later. All dev commentary on this points to the exact opposite. No, it's parallel developed content that they put on a deliverable schedule to deliver at a later date. 
there's literally no way for you to know that it's ripped content. That's a presumption, likely likely driven by your dislike for the game or the platform, not by logic, reason, or fact-finding. Like, if you're going to come to a conclusion, do it based on facts, reason, logic, right? That should be the norm of what Larian did. I disagree. I think running to one game and saying this should be the norm is ignorant. I just think that's so ignorant. I think we do this all the time. We, we literally weaponize a good game, which I think is an egregious act. The, 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 that game isn't a bat in your hand. It's meant to be played and enjoyed. Are you playing it and enjoying it, or are you using it as a baseball bat on Twitter? W- what are you doing with Baldur's Gate 3? I feel like people take a good game and they weaponize it, which you have no right to do. That's not Larian didn't build that game for you to be like, oh, this is, this is the standard now. You did DLC, boom. You did microtransactions, boom. They didn't do it. Yeah, their game was in early access on Steam and was crowdfunded. Like, shh. Shush. That's, that's, that doesn't make any sense. I love all three consoles and I'm playing Starfield Day 1. The, the presumption... See how, see how that works, Trophy Hunter? See how that works? I presumed that you were like anti-Starfield, anti-Xbox. See how I was wrong in my presumption? You're presuming that it's ripped content. You don't know. You have no way of proving that. And all that we know about development cycles, all that we know about how games are built, what you're saying is illogical. There's no reasoning to it. It's just in whiny entitlement. It's probably ripped content. Huh? It, it's a 30-hour campaign. There's a thousand planets. How how could DLC, plan DLC, be ripped content? The game you're using as a weapon apparently has big issues in Act 3. If Larian can do it, zero reason a well-funded dev cannot do it. Right, but again, using Larian and Baldur's Gate 3 as a weapon to act like every other game should do exactly what they did, again, I just think it's ignorant. It's completely ignorant. Every business is different. Every scope of project is different. Every bandwidth allocation is different. Um, Every team is managed different. If a team has bad leadership, if teams have lost talent over the years, if they've lost productivity or production because they've had to reboot elements of the game or start over, there's all sorts of things that go into why a game is delivered in the state that it's delivered in. I, I think I think in general I, I like I think the thing that drives me crazy the most is how gamers treat good games. Instead of just celebrating the good game, you turn it into this like vindictive fight. Well, they did it. Well, your game sucks. Well, they did it. It's like that's not what that game exists for. Thanks for five gifted behemoth. Behemoth taking us to ten gifted or not ten members, ten new members on the day. Like, acting like because this game was successful and did this thing, every other game should do that. Every other game should do no DLC. Every other game should do no microtransactions. What? Why? I've, I've always made this analogy before. You go to a restaurant that gives you free breadsticks. You can't go to every restaurant and say, well, they do it. Why do I have to pay for the breadsticks here? Like, they would say, well, we have a 
homemade recipe it's made fresh every day the ingredients have to be flown in we, we have we have a baker in the back whose specific job is to make this bread but we can't give it away our business structure our margins our production costs aren't the same as that place down there we can't do what you're asking of us Super googly with a $20 tip. I seldom use my Series X anymore, but I will definitely get Starfield since it's free. But I will play it on my PC with RTX 4090 instead. By the way, would you try out Texas Chainsaw, which is out tomorrow? I I have no interest in that game. Thank you for the 20 spot. uh, Larry knows that Baldur's Gate 3 has issues in the later acts. That's why they communicated that a future update will address a thousand plus bugs. I just, from where I sit, I think it's totally fine to celebrate Larian in Baldur's Gate 3. Saying that that's the standard going forward and games should not do DLC, should not do microtransactions, I, I, I constantly think what we deal with is people that think they understand business and they don't. They want to point to one business. They want to point to one thing and say, every other business should operate this way. And if you've ever owned, operated, or worked at a small or medium-sized business, you know how ignorant that is. You, you cannot impose, like, broad-brush, one-size-fits-all standards on the entire industry because you think one game is the archetype. I just I do I do not agree with that. I don't think that's in line with reality. I think that's that's ideological. You're not forming an opinion based on like research and facts and like interviews with devs and analyzing budgets and production costs and margins and and well how many times has the project been rebooted? You're not doing that. You're just saying, "No, nope, one size fits all broad brush, broad brush. Everybody should do what Larian did." These people are going to judge Starfield against Baldur's Gate 3. Um, they'll judge D4 against Baldur's Gate 3. I'm not sure what you're saying, Eugene. Larian did do a DLC, though. The Deluxe Edition comes with a DLC for Divinity OS 2 items. You're spot on about gamers. We see it every time a great game drops. Tears of the Kingdom, Elden Ring, and now Baldur's Gate 3. It's such a naive perspective. agree there's no such thing as the perfect business model out there each to their own each will work separately however it is important to note the quality of the games over the models sure sure I believe a really good game I believe a really good game can also do DLC Horizon Forbidden West also did DLC they did Burning Shores I, I like I don't I think it's just weird to be like well, Starfield has planned DLC. That's ripped content. No, it's not. There's there's quite literally no way for us to know that. Given the size and scope of this game, anything that's additive was not ripped out. There's no freaking way. The game's too big. What do, you, what do you think? They ripped out a planet? Just one? Oh, what's this 999 business? Huh? I don't think it's wrong to question every game going forward, especially since the general vibe of the market was DLC and micro is the only way going forward. Should be all or nothing now, though. Is that what's happening this year? Is that is that what's, is that what's happening this year? Is the standard uh, micros and DLC, is that taking over the industry? Or the biggest, most talked about, most successful games, just really good games? I, I feel like we create this boogeyman where it's like, well... 
we we literally think that every game is doing this big awful evil thing and when you ask for examples it's like well the uh, the sports games that you mean the sports games that you don't play are are you playing them are you continuing to support Madden and 2K and and the, and, the, and the soccer games that do all the nonsense with the micros this is one of the biggest years in gaming in history, and I don't see what anybody's talking about. I don't see some trend toward predatory practices. I see all that stuff getting run out on a rail. How's it ignorant? A studio with 400 employees with no DLC and microtransactions performs better than studios with a thousand uh, with budget size triple of Larian Studio. So you think size of a company, size of production and spending automatically means they're going to make a better game? Don't you think it's interesting that some of the best games coming out are from more medium-sized teams, smaller teams? Do you wonder if there's a correlation there? Spending tons of money and having tons of teams and tons of employees is not necessarily a recipe for a better game. In fact, it might be a recipe for an unwieldy game. Right? I I think, I actually think that argument is... While I understand where people are coming from because they want to approach Blizzard and get really mad about Diablo, I I, I don't think you can necessarily throw Larian in their face. I I don't. I think I don't think that we're making fair connections. I think we're I think we're making the mistake of thinking, well, they did it. Why can't you? I, I'm not excusing Blizzard, by the way. I told you guys Diablo Four wasn't ready. Everybody told me I was wrong. Everybody told me I didn't know what I was talking about. And I told everybody. I said Diablo Four smells. And just reeks of not ready for launch. And it turns out I was correct. But you don't get to turn around and throw Larian in their face and be like, well, they did it. What's your problem? Yet yeah, Larian had three years of early access. So their 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 quality, their game, their their what they were able to develop is in a completely different incubator than Diablo 4. I'm not excusing Diablo 4. I think there's better ways to criticize Diablo 4. I think you can make better arguments than, well, Larian, right? 400 dev team is not small. Well, small comparatively to the number of people that probably worked on Diablo 4. Hang on, what did uh, Zubair said? I'm going to be a broken record today, but you as a consumer get to judge the value of the item or service to you and then choose to buy it or leave it. The rest is just drama. Yeah, you did like two... Derek says, this particular solution worked in this unrelated scenario, so this is how they gotta do it. Right. Dubert did a two-poster up here. Where's the first one? We can applaud Larian's stance without also demanding it from everyone. To be clear, I'm only talking about DLC. This whole releasing a complete game made with love, I think we should use as a standard. Right. I think there's a huge difference. So if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Make sure and smash the like button if you're enjoying the dialogue, the back and forth and the discussion. I'm going to bring this back to Starfield. Try to figure out how we got here. I'll, 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 I'll track it for you. Starfield has planned DLC. And we got on this subject because people are assuming and presuming that planned DLC is ripped content. Meaning, oh, they ripped stuff out of the base game to sell you later. My pushback to this was everything we know about DLC is that the only way it's going to be possible, the mathematical reality of developing DLC is that if you want DLC to land within, I don't know, three or four months after the game comes out, because you can't wait longer than that. If you wait too long, then you're going to lose the relevancy punch, right? 
So from a business perspective, if you are planning to deliver DLC in Starfield three months out, you need to be developing that prior to the game's launch. That's called parallel development. You have teams working in parallel. These guys over here are working on the DLC. Their timeline is not the same as these guys over here working on the base game. The DLC deliverable timeline is, let's just say, December. Yep. We're going to launch something around Christmas time. Yeah, game will be out for three months. So they have a deliverable timeline of December. These guys have a deliverable timeline of it's got to be out in time for late August, mid-August for the review outlets and then full launch a couple of weeks later. So knowing this reality, the insistence that this team over here is working on ripped content, it's just an ignorant position. Like nothing that we know about the way that these that these games are developed lines up with that. Now, yes, Tommy's saying Elden Ring enters the chat. Some games just work on their own, or companies, I mean, work on their own wavelength. FromSoft's like, yeah, you'll get DLC two years later and you'll like it. <laughs> you're you're going to wait two years for DLC and you're going to like it. I don't think that's I don't think that's normal though. I think the average game is not going to wait a year to a year and a half to two years to give you DLC. It's very risky. 9,000 people worked on Diablo. It's insane compared to 400. Yeah, I mean, somebody just put that. Twisted Voxel is... Uh, Lone Wolf is quoting Twisted Voxel in the Discord. Um, I Again, I don't think you can attribute that to automatically being a quality game. I just don't think you can. Derek, you're pointing me to go up. I don't see what you said. No, wait, wait, wait. Lono is not pulling his punches. He's focusing on throwing the best ones. That's exactly right. Like, if you want me to criticize Diablo 4 effectively, referencing Baldur's Gate 3 is a waste of time. If you guys want me to effectively criticize Starfield when it comes out, Baldur's Gate 3 is not even a part of the discussion. Right? It, I, I don't think I would be being intellectually honest if in my review of Starfield, I was like, well, and we know they have planned DLC, so that's probably cut content. And if you look at what Larian did with Baldur's Gate 3, it's like, come on, man. That's that's not at all a a logical or reasoned way to criticize a game. It isn't. You're wrong about Diablo 4. If a game wasn't ready and you couldn't play it, I see lots of people playing. You're just choosing not to play because they're not your style or preferences. That's quite literally a false summary of why I'm not playing, being connected to whether or not the game was ready for launch. You can demonstrate the game wasn't ready for launch by the litany of things they had to disable in the weeks after it launched, the litany of things they've had to change, adjust, nerf, and chop down. Why? The game wasn't ready. Just because the car runs down the road, or the car drives, doesn't mean it's ready to be sold to the general public. Yeah, sorry, 
Um, the volume, when you turn it to 10, it blows the speakers out because it goes too loud. We need to tune that with an update. Sorry about that. Yes, the power steering acts funny on left turns if you're doing a roundabout, but not left turns if they're 90 degrees. So we're going to have to adjust that down as well. Uh, and the power windows, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So we're just going to disable the power windows entirely. And you were like, well, what do you mean it wasn't ready to be sold? The car runs i can drive it to work yeah the car wasn't ready it's you're 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 reading into the statement too much like when i'm saying it's not ready for launch i'm not saying it doesn't run i can't open the game i'm saying brother this thing was not ready they were not done they were not even close to being done with that game in any other world if you got a piece of, 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 of a product in the state that some video games launch in, you would never say, well, it runs. Every game goes through changes and nerfs even at launch after this year. A wonderful dodge? That's just a hand wave and a dodge. A game isn't a car? Is what? I know you're just kidding. In any other industry, you wouldn't say that. Yeah, man. I mean, everybody launches TVs and the features don't work at launch. I mean, they update it later. Would that would that excuse it? That makes it okay? I mean, everybody lies, so it's totally fine that I lied to you, right? That excuses it, right? Everybody lies. Everybody at some point in their life tells a lie. So, I mean, <laughs> what are you so mad about, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a dodge. It's a fact. It's a fact used as a dodge. Instead of engaging with what I said, you're just dodging it. You're just saying, well, yeah, everybody does. Everybody does. It's it's 100% a dodge. Just because other games launch with issues doesn't mean it was okay for Diablo 4 to do it. It Was it okay for Jedi Survivor to launch in the state that it was? What, what if the director came out and said that? I don't see what everybody's so upset about, man. Games launch all the time and they're not ready. Well, what's the big deal? Have some self-respect as a consumer. Like, have some self-respect. You would not accept that. Hey, man, this game doesn't work right. There's screen tearing, there's screen hitches, there's frame drops. It's really buggy. What's the big deal? And they're like, what what do you want from me, bro? Everybody launches games that don't work at launch. What's the problem? You wouldn't accept that. Imagine a car maker saying that. I mean, you know, everybody launches stuff that's not perfect and broken and breaks down sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry you're stuck on the side of the road and can't get to work, but I mean, hey, brother, I mean, if everybody launches stuff that doesn't work. Have some self-respect as a consumer. You Don't excuse a poorly launched game by saying, well, everybody does it. Everybody doesn't do it. That's when you invoke Larian. Even then, you got to be careful invoking Larian because of the three years of early access. It's not normative. It's not a normal representation of game development. Yo, what's good, Detective Seeds? The goal of AAA games industry has been to avoid over-delivering to change our expectations. And you shouldn't accept that. Don't get gaslit like that. That's why we as consumers celebrate Elden Ring, Tears of the Kingdom, and Baldur's Gate 3. They release complete and ready. Um, Elden Ring did not release complete and ready. Elden Ring was buggy, glitchy, stuttery, and it shouldn't have launched when it did. It wasn't ready. And they made things worse with their day one patch. 
the most anticipated game of the year got a pass because it was the most anticipated game of the year. Shouldn't have got a pass. Charging for early access isn't the issue as much as the story expansion shattered space for Starfield cut from non-early access subscribers. It's not anti-consumer for Game Pass subscribers. <laughs> oh! Oh! Oh no! Chat! Broken surprise of six months in a VIP. Wait a minute! Hang on! Is it not anti-consumer for Game Pass subscribers? I gotta open the I gotta open the door. It's it's about to get hot in here. let me let me try to understand what you're saying okay i want to understand your position so they're offering the ability for you to spend more money and get more stuff cosmetics dlc and early access the premium edition is got a whole bunch of things that you're paying for And you're suggesting with your question, I'm not saying you're arguing, you're suggesting with your question, it's anti-consumer to the people on Game Pass to sell that. Why? They're giving you, listen, listen, listen carefully here. (laughs) Everybody always talks about how pro-consumer Xbox is, how pro-consumer Microsoft is, you know, which is... That's remarkable in and of itself that people think that. They think that Microsoft is pro-consumer. <laughs> Just, that is that is beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful that people think that. In any case, in any case, they're actually giving you a variety of engagement options. Play it day one on Game Pass, which costs you at most, like what? A dollar if you're not currently on Game Pass. You can spend a dollar to try out Starfield for two weeks. That's like the lowest engagement option possible. You have, if you have one of the Xboxes or a PC, you can spend a dollar and you can get into Starfield for 14 days for a buck. If you're already on Game Pass, your engagement choices are play it day one or spend 30-something dollars and play it five days early that to me sounds fine those are choices those are engagement options the fear with subscription gaming is that you'll lose those choices down the line eventually they'll just say there is no purchase of games anymore you just everything's on a sub service you don't own anything that's the concern about sub model is that sub model will lead to less choices currently you have a lot of choices I almost didn't post my previous comment. My counter is, wasn't Game Pass meant to be the pro-consumer business model? How is playing the game day one on Game Pass suddenly anti-consumer if I can play early by spending money? Seriously, think about it. The world's so upside down right now because I'm I'm defending Game Pass. From a marketing standpoint... I don't, I don't like what Game Pass does to the ecosystem. I don't like what it's done to the consumer mindset. I believe they've fostered an ecosystem of people who think buying games is silly. 
Let's set that aside for a second. <laughs> it's why Xbox always lags behind in sales. Let's let's really track with what's being stated here. They promised you if you get Game Pass, you will be able to play first party titles day one on Game Pass. Question, are they making good on that promise? Yes, yes they are. I can play Starfield on September the 6th on Game Pass. Day one on Game Pass. They're making good on their promise. Now they're coming back and they're saying, oh, hey, by the way, this is called an upsell. Common in virtually every market. The upsell is, oh, hey, by the way, you're on Game Pass, which means if you want the premium edition with all this extra stuff and five days of early access, it's only going to cost you like 30-something bucks. Now, these people over here that are not on Game Pass, they will have to pay full price for Starfield Premium Edition. It's only 30-something dollars for you. This is an upsell. This is, ironically, the fact that we're discussing this is crazy, but we're, we're discussing it. That's a perk. That's a perk to you. You don't even have to buy the full-priced Premium Edition. You just pay the difference. They literally credit you as if you bought Starfield and you didn't. You bought Game Pass. (laughs) They're treating you as if you paid for Starfield. Yeah, just pay the difference. The people that are not on Game Pass that want the premium edition pay full price. How upside down is the world if you think that is somehow anti-consumer to Game Pass holders? I I don't see it. For $35, you can play early in Game Pass with the added skins. Think of it like this. Think of it like a sale. You can literally you can literally get, let's say you sign up for Game Pass brand new for $10, and then you pay the difference of $35. So you spent $45. $45. What a bargain. To play Starfield for an entire month. And you play early. And you spent 45 bucks. I would call that a bargain. I would call that a bargain. <laughs> 45 bucks. You can play Starfield five days early and uh, you play it for a month. You know, and if you like it, you keep going on Game Pass. You know, if you really like it and you don't want to do Game Pass, you just buy the base game and you're good to go. The danger here. The danger here is some of you are being reasonable. You're like, that sounds like a great deal. Some of y'all are acting exactly like the monster that I'm worried will grow. The monster of, feed me, feed me for no money. Like, that's what Game Pass is doing to people's brains. It's turning you into the little shop of horrors, you know, bigger, 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 feed me. It's like, I don't want to pay for anything. And you're going to let people pay money and get in before me? How dare you? I'm not spending any money. And and that entitles me to everything. Like, that's the concern I've always had about Game Pass. 
You spend a whopping $10 a month and you think you're entitled to everything. And if somebody else wants to spend more than you, you have a problem with that. This is exactly my concern about what Game Pass will do to the mindset of the consumer. Demonstrated today in this discussion. It's a good deal, but the early access part's a bit cheeky. I just don't think so. You, d- When they announced the release date, they set the expectation. I can play Starfield on September the 6th. You having the choice to pay extra to get in early, There's, I don't understand people's issue with that. I don't. It's like they're making good on the release date, right? And they're and they're and they're delivering the game on the release date. And if you want to pay extra for the privilege and the luxury and the and the prestige, whatever, of getting in early, do it. And if you're like, no, nah, I don't think the value's there. Honestly, if you're not already on Game Pass, get it for a buck. Get it for the thirty-five. Well, the buck only goes, uh, gives you fourteen days now. It doesn't give you a whole month. It's like complaining about the price of movie theater popcorn. Yeah, if you don't see the value in it, don't buy it. That all oh, that is just that's one of the beautiful things about the way the market works. Those Fortnite skins cost too much money. Okay, boomer, you're not the target. You're not the target. The market's determined that that price is acceptable. You don't determine if the price of something is acceptable objectively, you determine it subjectively for yourself. That's a ripoff. That's too expensive. Okay, for you. If the market bears it and supports it, as we've seen with Fortnite skins, your sensibilities mean jack squat. I would never spend that kind of money on a skin in a game. Good for you. I hope that that leads to happiness in gaming and that you're satisfied with what you do or do not purchase. These people over here, they're having a ball. I don't give a frick about what you think. They're buying Fortnite skins and having fun with their friends. And they think it's awesome that they look like Deadpool or, or whoever the heck they're putting in the game these days, right? I really want them to put Tombstone skins in the game. You know? You and the boys... I'll pick a different skin from Tombstone. I mean, I would call Doc Holiday. Sorry, you don't get Doc, right? I have two guns, one for each of you. Like, I would I would call Doc. You guys just have to accept it, but I, I would love to see that come to Fortnite. <laughs> <clears throat> it's ridiculous we're even having this conversation. I feel like I'm trapped in a room of flat earthers. I, 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 I don't get one guide. There's there's only a couple of people that are that are that are going the distance on some of this. And listen, Slave to the System wasn't necessarily arguing that it's anti-consumer. He was posing the question, you know, is that anti-consumer? You get all these Game Pass people to subscribe for day and date, and then you kind of sucker punch them with, well, you know, you can get in early if you want to spend money. I love how objectively people argue about prices on voluntary purchases. No one forces you to pay for cosmetics. 
Can I be your Huckleberry? <laughs> good morning, baby Yoda. Good to see you. Guys, if you're enjoying the show, we're an hour and 20 minutes in, and we usually have hit this goal by now. Y'all are slacking a little bit. Let's get going on the gifted members. If anything, it really is helpful to hit the like button and subscribe. Those are the base level things that we ask every day. We're like, listen, if you're enjoying the show, man, hit like, hit subscribe, join the conversation, right? If, if you subscribe, you can talk in my chat, and that is free. Membership's not the same as a subscription, so don't feel like if you hit subscribe, you're going to have to pay money or something. The more often you're here, the more you press like and like talk in the chat, the more likely you could get a gifted member from the very generous people here that gift members all of the time. Great show so far. Thank you. I'll be running Starfield on my 2080 Super and 9700. I'll report back. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have time to upgrade my rig like we were planning on it. I need to go to the local place, and we just haven't done it. Like, Creature was going to give me a list of the hardware, and we've just been so busy, it just hasn't even been on our radar. Radar. Ula Tech gifts a member up to 11. People are telling me my 2080 Ti will be just fine. So, William Lewis gifts a member as well and bumps us up to 12, gets us halfway to the 25. Just get a couple more. Get it to 15. Temp one of the boys to do a 10 bomb. To be honest, Fortnite has one of the best third-person shooting mechanics. It's smooth and responsive. People can hate the game all they want, but it plays great at 60 FPS. Oh yeah, I I think they've done great things with that engine. One of the greatest things that Fortnite has done for gaming is exposed millions of people to 60 FPS gaming. (laughs) Good. Because I want them to play 30 FPS and feel just as sick as I do so that we leave it behind. I'm dead serious. I think that's one of the best things that Fortnite has done is has exposed millions and millions of people to 60 FPS gaming, even on the old systems. Old gen runs it at 60. I think that's great for gaming. Expose more and more people to 60 FPS. As God intended. (laughs) This is why I said paying more for early access and this cut story content will become the norm. It's not cut story content. How do you know it's cut story content? It'll become the norm within the Game Pass subscription model. I'm fine with that model. Question is, will everyone else be happy? I just don't think that the... I don't think the invocation of it's cut story content, I just... I don't think that has been substantiated or proven. It has been presumed. It has been presumed. And it has been debunked. It's been debunked. It, it, everything we know about development, every interview, every breakdown of projects, everything we've heard about parallel development, you cannot substantiate or argue that the planned DLC for Starfield is cut content. You can't. You're presuming a, you're presuming a negative, which I believe when you presume something that negative, it must be proven and not presumed. It's labeled as story content. Okay. How do you know it's cut content? Oh, picture it like this. Let's imagine that this post-it note represents everything that they planned to do in Starfield's main story. They're like, this is what we want to do. We've got the factions. We've got the beginning, the middle, the end. We've got all the offshoots, right? And they spend all this time and they make sure all of this is a complete story. No missing pieces, nothing, okay? 
let's stick that right there all right now after they've done with that they say all right listen what could be some ways we could add to that story right we could take a smaller slice of story and we could build that out we could hand this to a different team and they could work on this okay they could work on this get this thing ready and then we could put it right here after it's 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 after the story i put that before i'm this i'm working i'm I'm working with the mirror here that's after (laughs) don't you see like the presumption that they didn't build this out that they didn't spec this out and get this where it needed to be and then they want to add they want to add after it you know boom 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 right on top of this they did the same thing in spider-man Right? They did the same thing in Spider-Man. They built out a complete story. Beginning, middle, end, side missions, offshoot missions, little things here and there, dialogue, and it comes to this wonderful conclusion. And then you can and then they add on to it. Here's another little story, little story, little story. That's cut content. What what? What what are you talking about? Is season two of a television show cut content? Is it? Is it cut content? Is John Wick 2 cut content? Like Graydon's saying? No. They're they're adding on to a completed story. They're adding on to a completed story. And there's nothing wrong with it. Because from the realm of production and cost, it makes perfectly good business sense to say, well, now that we've got this project scoped out and it's ready to go and we have the bandwidth to build it and deliver it, let's take a smaller team and have them work on, you know, additive content. As far as the internal structures of these games and how they're built... The presumption that this is cut content is so unfounded. It doesn't line up with how they build the game. Because here, this is what I think people imagine. This is what you imagine has happened. You think, you think that they're in the in the storyboarding room or the or the room with the big dry erase board, and they're like, "Here it is. Here it is. Here's the complete game of Starfield. Let's uh, let's rip that off, right?" And we'll sell that later. That's what people think they do. And that's not what they do. Traditionally, that's not how development works. You can't just like go in and say, yeah, just slice that off. It's not a it's not a pizza where they can just like slice a piece of it out and set it to the side. They allocate a team and bandwidth and have deliverable schedules and say, okay, you guys are building that on the reason you have to wait typically to do it is because you need most of the main game built to even consider doing this. What do you think the timeline is for 60 FPS performance mode? There is no timeline for that. There is no timeline for that. They've said nothing to that effect. You're not getting that. Creature says, by this logic, Lono, since you and I know what we're covering tomorrow, we have essentially defrauded our audience by withholding cut content. I deem today bad take Thursday. $5 from William Lewis. 
Now, the last Harry Potter, Deathly Hollow movies, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame, and Hunger Games are all cut content. Eugene says, Game Pass has reached saturation. When subservices reach saturation, their only option is to extract additional money from their base. You do this through raising prices or special deals like upgrades. That's exactly right. <clears throat> that's exactly right. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that's a negative thing or a bad thing, but you should expect this going forward. Imagine they put old CODs on Game Pass and you can't buy them, says F the Cat. I don't, I don't know about that. It's not insulin. <laughs> Guys, we've had over 900 viewers for a good portion of today, and we don't have 400 likes yet. Let's set our sights on 500 likes. If you've been enjoying the show, just take a second to press that. It really does genuinely help us out. That's why we ask for it every once in a while. It's a great way for you to show appreciation to the show. Bradley just renewed his membership and hit five months of membership. Metal Gear Solid Five had cut content they could have sold but it wasn't worth it for them. Uh, we've had a ton of new subscribers today as well. Thank you, everybody who has hit that subscription button. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the conversation and the dialogue. I am a safe-for-work broadcaster. I stream every day, Monday through Friday, into a talk show like this, and then we follow up the talk show typically with an upload. I have an upload today about Cyberpunk. Uh, we're taking a look at whether or not you should start all the way over when Phantom Liberty comes out, so make sure and keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll go over there later today. That's when I typically gift the members that I owe you. Another great way of supporting the channel is becoming a member. You can click the join button or the dollar sign button at the bottom of chat. You can also click that dollar sign button to gift members to somebody else. It's a great way to pay it forward and expand our community. And every 25 new members, I gift five back to say thank you. Microsoft is on record saying they hit saturation on console. Game Pass has not reached saturation, says Bristol. It will grow when the content's added that warrants it. It's a marketed formula. No, not according to Microsoft. According to Phil Spencer, they feel they've pretty much hit saturation on console. And the reason they've hit saturation on console is very simple. Churn. Churn. So what churn is... Whenever I worked at AT&T Wireless, formerly Singular, formerly AT&T, I went through three name changes in the span of five years um, when I worked there. Churn refers to the people who cancel, okay, and leave. And so that was always a dilemma for the mobile companies is outweighing your churn with new activations of uh, cell phones, right? New customers, And that's an issue for Game Pass on console especially because the meta, the culture has largely settled and there are plenty of people in the mix who will sign up for a month to try out a game and then they will cancel. They will churn. This is why you cannot have exponential growth, ever increasing growth of a sub base. You always plateau this has happened to netflix it's happening it's actually happening in the reverse to disney plus good good screw you disney um i I hope you lose a bunch of your property and and lose tons of money because of the way they've treated people they deserve everything coming to them but disney losing subscribers on disney plus right netflix plateaued and then lost subscribers as well game pass is in a similar spot 
Game Pass has hit saturation on console. They see opportunity for growth on PC. Um, so in in that in those environments, you're always going to have that happen. There, there's only so many people that you convince to like jump in to the subscription funnel, and then you're facing this idea of like, well, well, we we still need to make more money. Right? That's the goal of the business. That's you, you got to keep your shareholders happy. You got to have you know margins increasing. Remember, I was telling you I had a weird thing where all the CODs in my library were locked, or they make it to where you can no longer buy the old CODs. Paul says they're shutting the stores down. I don't understand. What did Disney do? A whole lot. A whole lot. Disney has harmed Star Wars in irreparable ways. My favorite franchise growing up has been largely harmed and ruined by Disney. They've been terrible to the people that work for them and the shows they make. Um, Yeah. There's a reckoning coming for companies like that. They're losing money at their theme parks. They're losing money on their subservices. And it's all deserved because of the way they've treated people over the years. Disgusting company. All the streaming services are trying to push people to subscriptions with ads because streaming is not profitable. Yeah, they're trying to make the entrance level, you know, subs uh, just naturally have ads. Yeah, 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 they are. So I think in general, if you're looking at Game Pass and you're looking at Starfield and you're taking issue with the fact that they're like selling a premium upgrade for early access and cosmetics and stuff. Listen, man, you, you better get ready. That's not ending anytime soon. That's not ending anytime soon, dude. No way. That's that's your that's your norm going forward, bro. Like you, they're going to constantly be trying to tell you, "Listen, this is one of the reasons why I said I think one of the greatest things they could do to Game Pass is they could say, "Hey, if you're on Game Pass, you can buy a game at full price. They'll give you the Game Pass discount. So like a, a $70 game would be, what, $62.99, $63. So for $63, you can buy a brand new $70 game at full price. And as a Game Pass owner, you can play that game a week early. Like, I think that's a great a great way forward. You maintain day and date, but you foster an ecosystem of purchase. You foster an ecosystem of people that are willing to spend money. I actually think you would have people that are not currently on Game Pass sign up for Game Pass because of that. Because they're like, well, I buy one or two games a year. That's a great deal. I get the game at a discount and I get it early. I don't think we've yet seen the full evolution and the transformation of um, of Game Pass. I think we're seeing just the early stage changes of Game Pass. Just, just the very, very tip of the iceberg with the way that they have handled... Um, with the way that they've handled, like, switching live off and switching people to core... I think you're going to see day and date only be available on Ultimate, and even then, I think you could even take my idea of like pay for early access. I I think you could see that happen only on Ultimate as well, right? You want you want to play early? Okay, cool. Yeah, well, you that we, you got to have Ultimate. You got to buy the game at full price. Um. 
Uh, let's see. Cyberpunk 2077 DLC Debrief. Okay. That'll be our members only debrief today. They got more sub for me for Starfield. Yeah, there's also people that will do that, right? They'll keep their sub. That's that's also, you know, one of the things you'll see happen when they do these big pushes. They'll say, okay, hey, you know, we've got a certain amount of retention. We have a certain amount of retention because, you know, we got enough people to stay on because they, uh, you know, there's a game worth playing. That's you know that's very common. That's that's actually that's actually quite common. I think that's one of the reasons why their assurances about Redfall I think is, uh, you know, you know I would argue are uh, a little bit a little bit sinister. You know, the the way that they the way that they set up, uh, you know, some of the promises and some of the assurances about Redfall. It's like, hey man, y'all. Y'all kind of did folks dirty there. You convinced them to kind of stay on board and, uh, you know, and the game still hasn't received any substantive updates. You know, I, I kind of have a problem with the way they've handled that. They haven't said anything. There's likely never going to be a 60 FPS update, you know. PlayStation Plus compared to Game Pass is a stark difference. Games go on Game Pass and they stay there. PlayStation Plus games disappear every quarter. Starfield will be on Game Pass, and I can go play it anytime. Right, that is one of the distinct differences. A, Outsider bumps the line to 13. Let's get two more singles. Bump this to 15. Let's tempt some of the big boys. We've kind of slowed down on memberships. We have a stretch goal of 4,500 members, and my wife and I will play Mortal Kombat. If you've not seen my wife and I play games together, you're truly missing out. We currently have 3,956 on member count. You're right there at 4,000 already. You guys already hit 4,000. My wife's shopping for the Jar Jar Binks outfit that I'll have to wear for the Beat Saber stream. Uh, that is the you know the incentive that you guys won, so thank you so much for that. Thank you so much, Outsider, for gifting a member. Those two services are completely different with different goals. One is a value add to the ecosystem. The other is the ecosystem. I think that's such a well-stated way of looking at it, Zubair. It's like PS Plus is like an added thing for people who have PlayStation. It, it is. People that go to, to, to Xbox and Game Pass, like that. that is the ecosystem you know Daniel Lawson gifts a member and bumps it to 14 alright just one more just one more 15 out of 25 the big guys can't resist there it is whiskey did it whiskey neat just ever so lightly taps it real gently sets the layup thank you so much whiskey neat the UI is still 720 and the bright side <laughs> that's so difficult it's always such a it's always such a tightrope to see if we can walk it right to 15 thank you so much bright side bumping it to 16 oh so remedy bumped alan wake 2 alan wake 2's release date has been delayed by 10 days to the end of October, quote, we hope this date shift gives more space for everyone to enjoy their favorite games. That's really smart. That's really smart. The UI is still 720 in what? 
What is that about? The UI is still 720. Oh, and Red Dead Redemption, the port or whatever that thing that they did. Um, I think I know why they cut the DMZ. This creature. Um, mm, let's see. Yo, Jay Wright. Jay Wright gifts a member. Thank you so much. Bumps the line to 17. And $100 from Ghosts in the Garage Gaming says, Here you go, Lono G. Money Christmas. This guy gifts tons of members. And he also is so generous with the Super Chats. Thank you so much, Ghosts in the Garage Gaming. My monitor just flickered. What? What is going on? That is so weird. Stands the no shirt. No, 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 no. I don't do it. I don't do the stuff that Alex does. We're very, if you haven't noticed, we're very different. (laughs) Ghost is amazing. So amazing. Believe Jesus is Lord. I don't have any problem saying that out loud, but other people might. Thank you so much for gifting a member. (laughs) Jesus Vive, thank you so much. Gifted a membership to Ducks 3. Outliers are outliers because they're one of the large sample of similar products that, through some combination of factors, deliver return far above others. Outliers cannot ever be the norm or the expectation. Thinking all you got to do is do what the outlier game did is absurd. Thank you, Matt Piscatella. I love his tweets, by the way. That guy's always right on the money. Echoing exactly what we were saying earlier. Slap your thighs? No, I don't do that. I know Creature Hates when I bring up Spider-Man was on there for six months and they took it out. I got the PS5 one month before they took it off. That's wild to me. Ghost just gifted Lono his MK1 money? Yeah, really. Instead of doing big super chats like that, man, you gotta drop the member bombs. (laughs) If you want the Mortal Kombat stream. You know? Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. He said, don't worship me, worship my father. I'm just going to go ahead and remove that from chat because obviously I could eviscerate what you're saying, but that's not what I do here. This is a gaming channel. (laughs) That might be Ghost uh, hunting your monitor. I know, right? It was there for six months. Yeah, I mean, my whole take on... The idea of whether or not they should leave games on the service or, you know, put the games there like permanently or whatever. I've never actually been compelled that that's what they should do. Like it's just, it's a completely different approach. Listen, if if you want, if you want to play Spider-Man, buy the game. It's that simple. I can't go to any other... I can't go to Nintendo and gripe about that. Man, I can't believe they don't put, like, you know, any of their Mario games or Zelda games on, like, a subservice. You want to play Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild? You want to play Mario Wonder when it comes out? Buy it. It's that it. It's that easy. Ghost in the Garage Gaming! This guy is nuts! He bumps it all the way 
to 38 with a 20 bomb. He rolls it past 25. This guy is so generous. If you just got a gifted member, let's try to do something crazy. If you've received a gifted member today, let's do a pay it forward train. Just gift one member to say thanks to the people who have gift members. If you can afford five bucks, man, pay it forward. Somebody gave you a member. Now give one to somebody else. Thank you so much, Ghost in the Garage Gaming. You the man. He said, oh, bet. Yeah, Ghost, Ghost don't play around, dude. He don't play. He's like, oh, you, you want some gift? You want some gifted members? I, can, I, I think I could probably find some gifted members lying around here somewhere. That must be a fancy garage, says Zubair. <laughs> uh, Nintendo doesn't put their games on sale either. That's what I'm saying. I just I've never been all that compelled to think that like, oh yeah, you're you should you should be able to have the game there forever. Eugene says it was the PS4 version, and they were about to drop the remaster and the standalone with a ten dollar upgrade path. Yeah, like it didn't make much sense to leave the old one on there, you know. To, to leave the old version of Spider-Man on there, you know, get they did the remaster. Buy the, get the remaster. <laughs> Why is he in the garage? I, I don't know. I'm just comparing the two, and in my opinion, Game Pass has better policy regarding first party when it goes on Game Pass to not take it off. Okay, sure, we can agree the policy's better, but D Tom, should we compare the first party offerings this gen? Right? Should we compare the quality of the first party games this generation to see how much that policy is doing for you? No, no, I'm not being snide. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like, starting from 2020 to now, that policy's great. Right? Like, hanging the policy plaque on the wall. That's our policy. Well, okay. I could hang a policy sign in my diner that says, free ribeyes on Friday. But if I never have any ribeyes, who the frick cares about that policy? They have a better policy at Lono's Diner. Yeah, yeah. Free ribeyes on Friday. Much better than your diner. Yeah? Yeah. How many How many ribeyes have you got from him? <laughs> Two and they weren't very good? Okay. Yeah, the policy's great. Does it matter if the first party offerings are so weak? Does it matter if the games are delayed and then are missing features? Right? Redfall comes delayed, missing features. Forza Motorsports coming delayed and is missing features. Well, that's great for a subservice because now you've got to stay on the subservice in order to wait for Forza Motorsport to get all of its features. Well, that's convenient, isn't it? But I'm subscribing to the PS service. I'm buying into their ecosystem and they punish people have a long list of their games to play or try they punish people so you think they're punishing you because you have a long list of their games to play or try so man the world is just upside down right now they're punishing you because they have so many great games to try how how dare they I've grabbed some great games on PS Plus, by the way. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I have so many games that are I've got from PS Plus that I'm like dying to try. Yeah, Halo Infinite also launched with, you know, it was delayed and was missing features. Is that a different conversation though? It's not related to how good the policy is? Sure it is, Gail. How good is the policy if, well, I get more first party titles because of this policy. Are those titles any good? How often have they shown up? 
Like my example with the ribeye. Are the steaks any good? How often have they shown up? What's it matter if they don't show up that often and they're half-baked? Uh, Stonespire with four months in a VIP. Starfield and Baldur's Gate 3 fills up my RPG tank for the year. Best time in gaming that I can remember in years. Keep up the great work, bro. Love this community. Thank you so much, Stonespire. JB says, not really. Unsubscribe, then come back when the game is fixed. Right. So how good is that policy if you have to unsubscribe and come back later when the game is fixed? Well, at least they leave their games on. Okay. Does it really matter if the entirety of the time that Halo's been on Game Pass, they've been fixing it and then just canceling features? What about Redfall being on Game Pass? What about Forza Motorsport being on Game Pass? What I don't... The, the policy is almost required because the games don't even launch ready. Well, at least they leave their games on Game Pass. Yeah, they better because they don't launch ready to go. Right? Are you seeing my logic? It's like, well, what? Who cares? Who cares that they stay on there? How's Halo doing, by the way, with all the, the features that were promised you? How's Redfall doing? How long is it going to take for Forza Motorsport to get the features it doesn't have at launch? Of course it's on there permanently. I think quality is a different discussion. If the next three Xbox first-party titles are massive hits, then will your opinion change? No. No. Because that would be four and a half years of paying for Game Pass, and that's my payout. No, my opinion wouldn't change. Game Pass doesn't suddenly get better because they score points late in the game. I'm on both I'm on both subscription funnels. You know what I've gotten from PlayStation? I've gotten the try games, sample games with the trials. I've gotten free little indies that are good. I just got moving out two yesterday that I can play with my wife. Like over here on Game Pass, the whole first party property promise, it's like, well, okay. I don't understand. What I got Forza and the Halo Infinite campaign. Who's touching Redfall, right? Like, you don't suddenly get to be like... Again, that, that DTOM, it just feels like the wait until mantra. Oh, you just wait until we have some bangers. Well, when's that gonna happen? Let's say Starfield's one of the greatest games ever made. Let's say it's... It's one of the greatest games ever made. That doesn't suddenly fix what we're talking about. You see, it's like, well, yeah, but that's great if you sign up for Game Pass like right then and there, which to your point, D-Tom, PlayStation Plus is great if you sign up right then and there when the big games hit. Don't you see? They're equal in that regard. It's like, they're equal in that regard. Like, really? How many great big bangers have you gotten from first party on Game Pass this entire time? Well, I'm not on Game Pass. I only, I'll only pick it up when the big bangers come. Okay, well, then do the same thing on PlayStation Plus. Just wait until the bangers come. Don't you see? You can apply the same thing. Yo, a gifted member. No, I'm sorry. A brand new member from Step House. He bumps the line to 39, and then five comes in from average arcader i love seeing somebody with a white badge gifting a brand new member is gifting to the community i love to see that hang on i want to read what d tom said d tom said i 100 percent 
see your logic. I'm not comparing quality. I'm comparing the policy. I actually think Game Pass should put their games up six months to a year after the game releases like PlayStation. Right, okay. And I see where you're coming from, D-Tom, but I think the policy... The policy's only as good as the quality, right? Like my ribeye example. The policy is only as good as the quality. Yeah, free ribeyes on Fridays, and I give you, like, the lowest quality cuts of meat known to man. And you're like, what? Or they all come out burnt or not ready. Bro, it's bleeding. I like it to be at least medium well. Come on. No, I'm sorry, medium rare. I'm not making shoe leather. I like it to be at least medium rare. What is this? Like, the policy's only as good as the quality. And given the policy and the quality, you can just wait and snag Game Pass when there's a big game. You can just wait and snag PS Plus when there's a big game. I think in that regard, they're equal. Yo, bro, sexy, bumps it to a 45. That's a nice layup for a five bomb, tempting everybody to do a slam home. Let's see. It's a race. It's a race. Who gets to slam home the five to 50? Let's watch and see how this develops. (laughs) It is fair to look backwards to determine if the future will be bright. I think if they deliver on the recent showcase, it could be game-changing. Well, we're going to be doing a talk show probably sometime next week about Series S feature parity. Because I do think that the future is not bright. And and, and, and Xbox outlets and pundits are realizing it. And they're calling for something I don't think they realize what they're calling for. And we're going to talk about that probably next week. Because tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be Gamescom predictions and then a weekly recap with 30. And right now, we got about 24 minutes left in the discussion. And we're having a back and forth about, you know, listen, Starfield's coming to Game Pass. And I think everything, everything we talked about today, right? It's Starfield has gone gold. The embargo date is the 31st. That's the day before early access. We know our preload dates. We know our install sizes. They did a great Q&A. I think Starfield's shaping up to be a good game. Even as good as Starfield is, I don't necessarily think you can redeem where Game Pass has been this generation. Just hasn't been that impressive. But that is also basing your policy on thinking that your games are crap. So an executive is going to say our games are going to be crap. Let's keep it on forever. They wouldn't have a different policy. They wouldn't have a different policy if they had the same quality as PlayStation. They might, D-Tom. They might. It's a chicken and egg situation. You have to ask yourself. If Microsoft had games that were at the same level of demand as Spider-Man and Final Fantasy and Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, if they had games that were at that level of demand, do you think they'd be doing day and date and leaving them there forever? Yo, Detective Seed says, I'll do one better. He dropped some bombs yesterday and he dropped some more today and he bumps the line to 55. Now that's a tag team layup because we're now a 20 bomb away from 75. Thank you, Detective Seeds. We'll see if you can't shake the ether enough. And you did! Step House. Step House, brand new member today, gifts a five bomb and bumps a line to 60. That is incredible. A brand new member paying 
for five people's memberships. That's incredible. Detective Seas with 15 months has such an amazing year for gaming. I agree. I agree. I've been burnt before. I'm always hesitant to purchase games. We'll wait for reviews before purchasing on Steam. Do you think Returnal had any level of demand? Returnal commercially actually did quite well for PS5 only in relation to market saturation of the PS5, the fact that it was a brand new IP and a small team. It actually did very well in light of all those things. They didn't need Returnal to be a 10 million copies sold game. They didn't need it to be that. That's not what its purpose was. It served a very good purpose. It's an iconic game. You recognize it when you see it. It was high quality. It sold well. Now, the reviews weren't so hot because people didn't know they were buying a Rogue. And then it didn't do so well on Steam because they used the Epic Online Store for co-op and everybody saw the Epic Store you know, thing boot up and they thought that it ghost-installed the Epic Game Store and it didn't. So it kind of got review tanked for the first you know, half of a day and it, it really hurt its momentum. That game should have done great on, on Steam. It's, it's a Rogue. It's a bullet hell rogue. Like it, it should have done very well, but that Epic Online Store thing killed it. Returnal total sales. Um, all I have is in July of 2021, it sold over half a million copies. So, I, in light of how many PlayStation's fives were even in circulation at that point, half a million copies is actually very good. Ratchet sold over a million. I don't even know. In in the middle of 2021, how many PlayStation 5s were there in circulation? Probably surpassed a million by now. I mean, during its launch window, how many people could even buy the game? Like, what was the adoption rate? Half a million? Oof. It's not an oof for a brand new IP from a smaller studio when they didn't even have good market saturation back then. Do you remember how hard it was it how hard it was to get PlayStation 5s in 2021? There were more PlayStation 5s in garages than there were on able to be purchased because of scalpers. Their ado- half a million adoption rate at that stage in the life of PS5 is totally fine. Colonel was like a 10% attach rate. Yeah, it's about percentage of attach rate. It's like Final Fantasy 16 sold 3 million copies in its first week, and there was like 38 million PlayStation 5s. That's like 8%. That's incredible for the first week. Another 20 spot from Super Googly. I just hope Nintendo exits the hardware market so we can play their good games without horrible graphics. Well, that's not happening. The Switch 2's coming. I hate to break it to you. If it can give me Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild at 60, that's all I care about. I don't mind the graphics in those games. I think they're good-looking and beautiful and have their own art style. I just want 60 FPS. It was 10 million. 10 million in July of 2021. Are you sure about that? July 2021 total PS5 sales. Yeah, it does look like it was about 10 million as of July. So they sold half a million. They sold half a million. So that would be that wouldn't be 10%, wouldn't that be 5%? For a brand new title from a little teeny studio? 
I think they've been very pleased with Returnal's performance. Housemark got put onto something else, and they've expanded. They've grown. Eight million of it with scalpers. I was gonna guess eight million. It looks like it was around ten. I missed some fat donos. Yeah, we had some big ones. We had some big ones. We're now 15 away from 75. You guys have about 15 minutes until we go to the premiere, the Cyberpunk premiere. We're asking the question, should you start all the way over when the new Cyberpunk DLC comes out? Some scalpers made bank. They did. What was the budget for Returnal? Um, I don't know if that's public. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a, a report on the budget. There's people saying, you know, suggesting that it cost a hundred million to make. Somebody was suggesting it cost like a hundred million to make. So if you take five sixty thousand and you multiply that by the seventy dollar uh, price tag, What is that? 560,000? Was that 39.2 million dollars? So I you'd have to know how much it costs to make to know if they recouped on that. They roughly Now lifetime they've made more than that. That was in July of 2021. That was two years ago. So as of two years ago, they made about forty million dollars. I don't know how much it costs to make it. Average arcader with five gifted members. He bumps it again to sixty-five, tempting somebody to slam home a ten bomb to seventy-five. Thank you so much, average arcader, a white badge member doing two gifted bombs today. 60 FPS was around long before Fortnite. I've, I've never indicated that it wasn't. Fortnite exposed way more people to 60 FPS than any single game. $100 million doesn't sound that off. Wasn't Control like $50 million? If it costs $50 million to make Control, Returnal's not as big as Control, is it? Control's a big game. Returnal's a, a rogue. It's more contained. I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't know that I don't know what would be the reason to debate about the success of Returnal. I mean, it, you know what I'm saying? It, there was only 7.8 PS5s in circulation when Returnal released, so we can talk total sales in July. But when Returnal hit the market, there was only about 8 million PlayStation 5s in circulation. And they managed to, over the course of those months, secure, you know, 560,000 in sales. And there was, there was less than 8 million consoles at the time they released. Again, you want to talk about sales projections and what they expected from that game. I, they are likely pleased with that. That's good adoption rate for a brand new title from a small studio. I mean, how many employees do they have? 
Housemark has 110 employees right now. I believe at the time they had less than 100 employees. Bro, like, the production cost of that game selling half a million copies to roughly 8 million people, I, there's no there's no issues at all with that. Right? I don't see I don't see any problems there at all. They, and they and they've been they've expanded, they've hired more people, they've grown, and they've been given another project. So it would stand to reason that the game did just fine. I <laughs> it didn't hit full production until twenty twenty of Janu- January of twenty twenty. They had 50 employees at the time. Are you, are you, are you sure? Preacher says they had 90. I thought they had about 80 or 90 employees at the time. I'm sorry, this sounds like justification. Justification for what? I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't bring it up. What am I, what am I justifying? I, I, I don't think when games sell, you can just purely look at total number. You have to look at production, size of the company. You have to look at like how many were in circulation. Like when people were comparing Final Fantasy 16 sales to other Final Fantasies that released on way more platforms, it was like, well, that's not even a fair comparison. They, they sold 3 million in the first week. There's only 38 million PlayStation 5 owners that could buy it. That's a really strong adoption rate for your first week. 8% is very good. That's not a worrying number at all. And then people, you know, twisted the, oh, they missed their high target to, oh, they missed their sales targets. And it's like, I just, I, from where I sit, more often than not, when these conversations come up, I just, I just feel like people aren't honest or they misrepresent or they just jump to a conclusion. It's like, I, I don't see from where I sit any indications that Returnal did bad commercially. I don't know why we're talking about this. I don't know how we got on this subject. I don't know where we were or what we were talking about. We were talking about Game Pass and selling, and for some reason we got on Returnal sales numbers. I don't know why. I I don't feel like I brought up Returnal. Maybe I'm misremembering, but the, the issue that we were discussing was if they had games at the quality... I don't know if they would do day and date on Game Pass. I don't know if they would leave those games on Game Pass for forever. Humbled Stone says, nice setup, bro. Thank you. And thanks for following me over here on Kick. I appreciate that. Siege Master with 20 months and it's a VIP. Thank you so much. I still need to go back and finish Returnal, but with games coming up, I'll pro- it'll probably be next year before I can. I, yeah, I really want to go back and do some complete runs in it because you don't get the full story until you complete it. I think like what, like the second or third time. I've done one complete run, and I, I, th- it's it's like my favorite game from that year. And I don't, I don't like rogues. I don't. They would. I mean, they might. I'm not saying definitively. I'm just saying they might change their mind because companies respond to demand because they care about making money. So if Microsoft could definitively prove hey, we've got some bangers coming. The demand is so high, we, we shouldn't put them on Game Pass right away. Or what I think they're doing is I think they're eventually going to shuffle day and date to only be available on Ultimate, and they're going to do away with that middle tier. I think they're going to have core with like the 25 
you know, game catalog and multiplayer. And since Ultimate includes multiplayer, I think they're going to remove that middle option. And you're going to pick between Core, which is like a 25 set catalog and online multiplayer, and then Ultimate. And I think they're going to raise, I think Ultimate's going to end up being 20 or more. I think I, I could see Ultimate being $29.99 at some point in the future. Not in the near future, but in the far future, I could see Ultimate being like 30 bucks a month, and you only get day and date on Ultimate. You only get multiplayer on Ultimate, and they remove the middle core. I'm sorry, they m- remove the middle option, and they just leave core as like the, you know, if you don't need all of these titles in day and date, you just want some games to play in multiplayer, core is available for 10 bucks. You know, and that'll always be tantalizing you with upgrading and saying you get all of this, you know, for ultimate. Is that bad or wrong? I mean, that's up to the consumer. I'm not saying what is good or bad or right or wrong. I'm simply saying that's what I think they're they're headed toward. The sudden introduction of Game Pass Core and it not getting day and date in in and comparing it to it's like a dollar more and you lose multiplayer but then you get day and date like it's just weird it just makes more sense to get rid of the middle option and you just have the two and then you know PC I don't know what they're going to do with PC I think they're trying to grow game pass saturation on PC so they may have more deals and better offers on PC because they're at saturation on console so now the focus is getting more out of the console users that like game pass you do that by raising the price you do that by having you know special deals like the starfield premium edition if you pay for the premium edition you get you know early access and a bunch of cool stuff like that's likely going to be one of the more common structures you see going forward you're going to you're going to have other ways for them to sort of you know, subsidize and make money from it. Future Game Show is coming next week on Wednesday, August 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, uh, thank you again. Want to pop in and say thank you again for becoming one of our official stream partners. Uh, below you'll find all the extra details. It's a 90 minute show with 50 games. Uh, games already announced to appear include. I don't know any of these games. Well, no, I know some of these games. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. All of us other when we increase our offer any further and let you know if they decide to reconsider time. Okay. <clears throat> the WoW sub will go into PC Game Pass sub. Yeah, Activision Blizzard's going to be a big win for Microsoft if they can start to fold things like that in because that's a that I think that's a big win. Highly unlikely. No, I don't think so. I think you could totally see that because once they own Activision Blizzard, I mean, they they already give you they give you EA Play on PC Game Pass, but they don't give it to you on the standard Game Pass offer. So PC already gets a little bit more. Guys, we're going to go to this premiere for Cyberpunk in about seven minutes. If somebody wants to slam this home quickly, I'm going to owe you 15 members. I'll do it during the premiere. We're going to go there uh, shortly. What's a chair you're sitting in? It's just a high back mesh ergonomic chair. There's a couple of chair companies I'd love to work with. We're just not quite big enough to get their attention yet. We got to get to about 50,000 subscribers, and then I think we'll be able to start reaching out to some of those companies because I'm very much a proponent of like getting a good ergonomic chair, not like the racing chairs that you see a lot of streamers sitting in. Um, they already give you Riot Games with a sub. Yeah, the Activision Blizzard having things like that folded into to Game Pass I think is going to happen sub's way too valuable to give it away with game pass well hang on a minute i'm not saying give it away with game pass eugene 
I think there's going to be a tier of PC Game Pass that includes that. They're not going to give it to you for $9.99. No, 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 no. There will be a tier of Game Pass that includes WoW. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm telling you, I think the future of Game Pass is going to look a lot like television packages of old. You've got this one for 10 uh, For $19.99, you get this thrown in. And for $29.99, you get everything. Like, that's what I think the future is of Game Pass. I think you're going to see, like, you know, tiers that go up and you just get more the higher you go. And they'll have the coup de gras, the all-encompassing one. Ahmed gifts five and puts us on the doorstep at 70 thank you so much man many hands make light work you guys every day bring the generosity thank you for that i'm in the boat of wanting a real chair which one would you recommend i'm not going to advertise companies for free that won't talk to me bro (laughs) i've reached out to a handful of companies and they won't talk to me so i'm not going to promote them so do your own shopping (laughs) You don't get free advertising. You want me to advertise something? Bu- buy some Reforged Roast Coffee. This supports me. Not buying some chair from some company that won't talk to me. <laughs> 15 a month, says Sniper King. Yeah, maybe. What's it cost now for World of Warcraft? What's the monthly on it? Isn't it like 15 bucks? I could see them saying, you know, standard PC Game Pass is 10, 20, and we'll throw in WoW. You get a discount, right? I got the Starfield chair. The Starfield chairs were actually pretty nice. They're the racing style, but I actually think they're pretty nice. What mic are you using? <laughs> well, that's a little bit different because it's really hard to partner with someone like Shure. Because, I mean, how many people watching me are going to go buy a Shure SM7B? <laughs> you know what I mean? What's the exact chair you have? I, I don't know. I, I just said it's a high back mesh ergonomic chair. That's a style you can search for. That's the type. I It was some company that sent it to me a really long time ago, and they, they didn't want to do an ongoing deal with me. So, I, again, I'm not going to promote them. It's a high back ergonomic mesh chair. So, yo, Brad, with the white badge, paying it forward when brand new members gift members. That's my favorite. Thank you so much, Brad, gifting a member to Ali K. We're leaving in four minutes. We're getting out of here in four minutes. You guys watching on Kick, you're going to have to come over to YouTube to catch the Cyberpunk premiere and, and maybe the members debrief after. Just throw WoW into Ultimate. I would buy a few SM57s. They have a new thing for the Shure SM7B or any Shure microphone that'll turn it into a USB microphone. I got a press release about that. I was like, wow. I'm, I would, I might get that when I travel. Put it through the cloud lifter, then plug it into that thing, and then I could do videos with my laptop. And that would sound good. It wouldn't be this broom. What was the exact serial number, day of purchase, thread count, and seat sent? <laughs> right? Come on. Yo, Daniel Lawson, here we go. We're going to slow walk this thing to 75. Thank you so much for doing that. Daniel Lawson. I will redirect you guys to this cyberpunk video. I'll also provide a link in chat. Do me a favor, though. We've had way, way too many people here to not have 500 likes. Let's say let's get 500 likes. And then when we go over to this cyberpunk video, 
Um, I'm going to put a link in chat. I'm also going to redirect you, meaning it should send you over to it. If you don't get redirected, it will be the uh, the featured video uh, on this channel. And make sure when you go over to the new video that you also smash like. I'll be gifting the members that I owe you over there. I like to do that. It gives you the the maximum amount of time possible uh, to, to gift members and, and get the number as high as possible. <clears throat> we need three more to hit 75. Slam it home quick. Let's get a little buzzer beater. Dodevas with the insurance goal takes it to 77. See, now what you guys got to do is do three really quickly and and tantalize a 20 bomb. Act fast. Act now. (laughs) Three singles. You guys keep doing these buzzer beaters right there close to 100. (laughs) 77. Three singles. Tempt one of those dudes with with a big one tempt them they like to drop them they really really do featured video redirects have been working pretty well on youtube when the cyberpunk video is over all of you new members there's a bunch of you you can come to a members only debrief that's how we end our day so you get to cash in on a member member benefit today every day we do that we're going there in 60 seconds. You guys are going to have to scramble if you're going for a buzzer beater to hit 100. You guys can keep gifting members in the premiere as well, and I'll honor it. I'll owe you 20 members if we can hit 100, so you can keep it going. I'm going to spam the link in chat. I'll give you credit for any last-minute ones that hit, all right? And then I'm going to redirect you guys over. Let's head over to this Cyberpunk video. Thanks for another great day talking Starfield. It's almost here. Let's go talk about Cyberpunk's DLC. It's almost here as well. And should you start over... Let's go find out.